Welcome to the Swim Swam podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. I'm joined today by Erica Sullivan. Erica, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. have been swimming for a while now. Can you can you take us through how you, how your quarantine's been since March? Um after the games were announced, we definitely dropped in yardage a lot. We were probably doing around 40k a week, significantly low singles, uh not a lot of dry land. Um if anything, we were focusing more on the cardio aspect of it, um running and such. Um and then we started going out to the lake a little bit, um, social distancing. Uh, CDC released that open water is one of the safest sports. I think it's because, you know, not a lot of people want to do it. So <laughs> it makes sense. Um, and so we were out by the lake and we're swimming. And then I was doing my own pool practices in my family friend's backyard because he had a 25-yard pool. Nice. So, so uh, what period of time was your club team like not happening our club team as all in all has recently just come back in like okay this is week three um okay well we were out of the water for almost a full three months wow yeah, yeah so i kept training because at the time i thought the games were still going to be on and then after that it was pretty much i didn't want to get in out of shape for the next games so <laughs> i just pretty much started doing my own thing yeah how how did you um what did you think about doing your own thing you know lakes running swimming in a did you have anyone to swim with when you were at your friend's pool yeah so I had one partner his name was Dylan Gravely um Brennan Gravely he's on the U.S. national team uh for open water my former (laughs) ex-boyfriend um his little brother so we we trained together um and it was pretty much me and Dylan for around three months straight. Wow. Uh, d- were you guys writing your own workouts? Uh, no, no, no. We had, we definitely had Ron helping us out there. Okay. But um, yeah, there was a point when we were absolutely dying with our dryland regimen. <laughs> we're like crying to each other in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what made it so challenging? Um, it was just the. You know, it. I mean, we are swimming horizontally for a very long time, and gravity is not, you know, fundamental to the downforce of our body. And the minute you're running vertically, it's a lot of shin splints and back pain and knee pain and ankle pain. And I had to invest in some new shoes because I realized, you know, hmm, now that I'm running, I probably shouldn't get the $60 <laughs> shoes up from Big Five. <laughs> That's, that's sage wisdom for all you drylanders out there. I mean, you don't think you need to invest in that nice of shoes because you're doing, what, two hours of dryland a week? And then this quarantine has been a rude awakening where I'm like, ooh, I should probably care about my, my athletic shoes a little bit more. <laughs> uh, so, so other than um, continuing your training and orthodox and unorthodox ways how have you spent your time during this quarantine i know you like movies there's been a ton 
uh, how, how have you spent your time? I've been built for quarantine. <laughs> My, I have been training for this moment. I'm pretty much been, uh, March, April, May was very much movie focused. June, mm-hmm. I'm very much TV focused. And I've also had the opportunity to write my own screenplay. So I've been working on that as well. Nice. And was that um, a project that you initiated yourself? It is. Yeah. Um, So I always had these like little. And I kind of didn't know how I wanted to tie it all together. And luckily this quarantine really gave me the time to sit down and piece it all together. So I put together a 10,000 word outline. It was around 14 pages long, and I thought, yeah, I can, I can make a movie out of this. So I've started doing my first draft. Nice. Uh, can you give any spoilers as to what it's about? Yes, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be one of those people who are like, I can't wait for you guys to see, so I'll definitely share. It's <laughs> called uh, Souls of Hopper, and it takes place in a small town called Hopper, Utah, in around 2010 with the rise of the iPhone, but it's not quite common yet. And it's about these two girls. One of them is very strictly in the Mormon church and they want the other one is not in the Mormon church and they begin tutoring each other in different subjects and they start a relationship. All right. Uh, Have you been to Hopper, Utah yourself? I have not. And I really want to. Now that I've been like writing the screenplay and I know which high school these girls go to and they go to these like certain local spots and they go to the Antelope Canyon State Park. And I want to, it's around a six hour drive from Vegas and I want to go so bad. So what inspired the location then? Um, it was a lot of Wikipedia searches. I wanted a <laughs> town with a certain population uh-huh. and um, I wanted it to be kind of close to the Great Salt Lake so that it fits the theme of one of the girls who's very much like wants to be an environmental scientist. And she's very much, you know, clean the lake kind of, a hippie so to speak and hopper was a good town that was their annual income was higher than most so it was a well-established town with the perfect number of people i believe it's a town of around nine thousand at the time now it's eighteen thousand it's grown since then but in 2010 it had nine thousand so location was perfect and i really fell in love with the way the houses look in this town so I definitely creeped on a lot of houses on Google Earth. So like if anyone lives in Hopper, Utah, I'm so sorry. I've probably seen your house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's all part of the job, right? It's, I'm working. I'm working. <laughs> so how many, how many hours would you say you've put into this project so far? I've been trying to write at least 45 minutes a day. Um, some days I'm a little too tired from the swim, especially now that we've vamped it up a little. So I've been falling behind. I'm around 50 pages in right now, but, um, oh man, like even when I'm not writing, I'm always thinking about it. So hopefully it'll be done in the next three months, which is a while. So I've been putting a lot of time into this thing. Well, I mean, you know, I, for those who aren't familiar with, with writing a script, I think it's a very different creative process than a lot of other writing styles what what are some of the hurdles you've encountered in you know because you're essentially just writing uh dialogue mm-hmm. uh so what i mean and maybe that's maybe that's normal for you you know i i've written creatively but not very little experience with scripts uh what are what are some of the differences that you've found um for writing a script specifically 
Yeah, I really struggle with giving different voices to different characters because I'm writing it. So when I'm writing these characters, they all kind of sound like me. So um, I actually started by writing a few five page really mini screenplays and I would take people in my life and try to mimic the way they talk. So one time I wrote a, a screenplay about a conversation of me and Brennan sitting by the pool and it's us talking about our future and I tried to talk like myself and I tried to write Brennan like he would talk. And then, um, so since then I've tried to find, I've had, their names are uh, Dakota and Sophie. So I try to have Dakota talk a little bit like me and I've had my sister read through and I've recorded her, see the way she says these lines and I have to write them down again the way Sophie would talk. <laughs> that's, that's a, that's a, that seems like a really good strategy. It's, it's quite effective and I, it adds voice to the character and sometimes I feel like I'm putting in all this work for nothing because if I were to cast someone, they would definitely talk in a different way anyway, <laughs> but it makes me feel better, so. Yeah, so, you know, you are 18, 19? 19. Have, have you had an extensive uh, formal education in, in film or screenplay at all? Um, not really, no. I knew that I wanted to get into uh, cinema, so to speak, just that big umbrella term when I was around 14. Um, I was always into, I was in the vlogging before Cody Miller was. I would like to claim that now. <laughs> I used to on um, my vlogs. So I used to make vlogs of swim meets and I bought a little Lincoln Inc. $100 camera and I really got into editing. And then in 2017, I saw Lady Bird for the first time and I knew that I wanted to make movies. Great movie, by the way, if you haven't seen it, highly recommend. Um, Greta Gerwig, man. Uh, so, so a lot of this, I'm, I'm so impressed that, you know, you had the wherewithal to say the, the, to, to try to individualize your voices because again uh, it seems like a lot of this is self-taught yeah so I pretty much watch um every single YouTube video I can on screenplay writing um I read a lot of screenplays in my free time I it's pretty typical after I watch a movie I will go home download the script and read the script um Greta Gerwig's writing is absolutely amazing. If you guys want a, to read a great screenplay, Little Woman is one of the best screenplays I've ever read. Parasite's a good one. But um, yeah, it's just, I think it's honestly, the minute you have an idea, you just need to find different ways to execute it. And it's easier for some people, harder for others. And I think I was really lucky that since I am self-taught, I really found a method that works well for me. And so uh, what do you find, you know, you watch a movie, then you read a screenplay. What do you find, what do you gain? For, because you just saw the dialogue on screen. What do you gain from reading the dialogue? Um, the dialogue is pretty much the same. I really like how sometimes a, a screenplay can be awful and it's the actors that really carry the film. But what I really like about reading the screenplays is not necessarily the dialogue, but the scene descriptions in the beginning of every scene and how they describe movements and fight sequences or dramatic sequences the way they describe it is really not you know it's not two pages long it's probably around a sentence or two but it, it captures it perfectly it summarizes it perfectly so reading that it really taught me not to overwrite so to speak 
that's this is it's all very fascinating uh because i i love movies you love movies so let's get right down to it um top five movies that you've watched during quarantine during quarantine Ooh, i'm gonna pull up my letterbox do you do you have a letterbox no i don't it is a movie review app where all of us pretty much rate and review movies. Mm. So we've been, me and all the people that I follow, we've all been keeping up with each other. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I really enjoyed. Okay, these are all the watches. I watched. Okay. The Platform. I don't know if you got to see that on Netflix. It's in Spanish, I believe, or Portuguese. Um, it is a classic. It's about this man who gets sent into a building, and there is a platform of food that comes down to the levels. And it's kind of a theory of, um, like, if, and towards the bottom, you get moved to a different floor every month. So if you're put on the lower floor, there's pretty much no food for you by the time you get down. Okay. And the theory is, if you only eat what you're supposed to eat and ration it, there's enough food for everyone. Ooh. But it's the, the, the conflict of self-greed and <laughs> doing it for everyone. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed that one. Mm-hmm. Um, one that really hit home for me was Polytechnique. It is on Amazon Prime. And it is about the, until recently, the second biggest shooting in Canada history which was a uh, sexist act in an engineering school where this man decided to shoot as many women as he could because he believed that they were feminists. All right. Yeah, it's shot in black and white and it's very captivating, very heavy, but I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. Um, I watched, it's on Netflix called The Half of It. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a gay movie, very cute, very wholesome. My friends did not like it. They said, Erica, it's a gay movie. I think that's why you like it. And <laughs> I am very biased in that sense, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> um, I watched uh, Shoplifters. That is on Hulu. Uh, it was okay. nominated for Best Foreign Picture two years ago in 2018. 2019. Yes, 2019. <laughs> and... Yes. Yeah. Um, it's in Japanese and it is basically um, about these people who adopt these children that they find in the streets adopt mm-hmm. and they are pretty much living off of their grandma's welfare money and they're all living in this tiny house and they shoplift for a living. That one's a very family, a love makes a, DNA doesn't make a family, love does kind of film. So that hit mm-hmm. me very, very well. And <laughs> That sounds like a uh like a pleasant uh parasite (laughs) very much so it's very much a pleasant parasite that's kind of what it's been known for okay that's one i watched was french cinema and it's called beats per minute uh i believe you can 120 beats per minute Mm -hmm. and um it's basically about the aids movement in france in the early 90s also that is a very 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 heavy movie but um i really enjoyed the takeaway of it Sounds really nice. Um, so you meant one of the movies you mentioned, your friend said, oh, it's a gay movie. That's that you like, you like gay movie. Um, so you openly identify as, as a lesbian. When, 
can you tell me about uh, how that metamorphosized the process of, of you discovering that fact about yourself? Yeah, so pretty much since I was 14, I had this weird, un, like, unhealthy crush on Maya Mitchell. Maya Mitchell. And I have a shrine for her in my room. She was on my phone case. I was obsessed over this girl. And everyone was like, Erica, like, why do you like her so much? And I was like, oh, I just, I just want to be her. I always thought I wanted to be her. And um, my boyfriend at the time, Brennan Gravely, we would we'd sit on the phone and we'd talk about Maya Mitchell. And then it later turned into Fifth Harmony. And I'd literally be like, Brennan, like, watch them dance. And he's like, eh, like, they're all right. I'm like, are you blind? So we should have known. We were talking about girls when we were, like, 15 together, even though we were dating. So, like, that's <laughs> red flag. But um, I pretty much knew that I liked girls, but I was, um, I was dating a guy at the time. And so I identified as bi. I came out as bi for a really long time. And then I realized that um, I really was not that into guys. And I was just kind of using it as a cover because I kind of felt like at the time bisexuality was a little more accepting than being gay, which now that I'm out, it's a totally different story and a whole nother debate. But um, I think it was easier for me to come out to my mom that way because my mom always wanted to have kids. So it was like a kind of a hope for her to be like, hey, I might end up with a guy. But then with a lot of self-discovery and, you know, talking to my friends, I realized, no, I, I definitely only like girls. I don't like guys. But I ended up coming out and um, a lot of people think coming out's this big grand thing, but um a thing that's not portrayed in media is that a lot of people like to talk. So you only have to tell around three to four people and the whole team pretty much knows like two months later. So sure. all of my hard work was really not that required. I just had to come out to a few people and everyone knew. So mm -hmm. my life was a lot easier. And so for you, that coming out process, you mentioned, you know, the whole team knew. So did you tell people on your swim team? Did you tell friends at your high school um, where did you, what, in what communities did you see that spread and, and, and how did, how did that reaction play out? Um, so I was really lucky, um, in a lot of sense. I think I have one of the most supporting coming out stories I've ever, I've heard. My whole swim team went to my high school. We were all in the same grade. We all took the same classes. We were all, we were together all the time. Oh, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> um, the principal was one of our teammates' dads. <laughs> so we were very much incorporated into the school. Mm -hmm. And um, so pretty much by the time I was out to my team, everyone at school knew because, or my, my close group of friends at school knew because they were my close group of friends. And um, I didn't want to tell Coach Ron for a while just because I didn't know how he'd react. I didn't want him to see me as different. And um, lucky for me, uh, my Tumblr was found pretty recently or like as uh, my coming out process and wait as in I, you started a tumblr or as in it was discovered i started a tumblr like months before where i was like very gay on this tumblr and okay i think a lot of people do that but they keep their name anonymous i was one of the fools who did not keep it anonymous Sully. <laughs> so my tumblr was found and that's how my coach found out that i was gay did, did, did he uh, react to you about that? Yeah, so he sat me down and I thought it was because I had a bad practice. And then <laughs> like, Erica, I found your Tumblr. And I was like, oh. <laughs> 
and then and then he's like I still love you I support you um I'm gonna make jokes because that's just the way I show my love and I was like yeah that's fine please make jokes and it was all love from there and I've been happy ever since now everyone's like Erica's a total dude Erica's they're all just like god Erica's new girl this and that so they they poke fun at me but I love them for it yeah I, I so so that's a little interesting so do you feel like the you know the joking and, and the kidding um, about what can be a very sensitive topic has kind of normalized that in your sense? Yeah, so I used to get, people used to call me gay before I was out, and that was, I used to hate it. I used to hate the jokes, all of that. But I think once you're out and you're really comfortable with yourself, the jokes become totally different, because it's like, sure, call me gay, because I am, it is what I am. Like, so now it's just, it. even though it is taboo and some people may not like it, to me, I found that especially boys, that's how a lot of them show their love and support by joking about it because they can't take it very seriously. Mm-hmm. And I live for it because it, it shows me that they they joke about it and they're accepting of it enough to where, you know, they're not even picking, they're, they're putting it in a positive humor. And it's been, yeah, I, I, some people are, I, th- I think it depends on the person, but for me personally, humor is honestly the best way to deal with it all. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's so refreshing and so great to hear. Um, it, it sounds like you have a very tight-knit social group at, at school, at SWIM. Taking this year off and then, you know, now with the quarantine and, 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 and beyond, um, do you feel like that's taken a toll for your social life or, or affected you kind of emotionally, not seeing as many people as you normally would have? Um. No, because I think even though we are a tight group, we're a pretty small group. So um, prior to everything being tight, it was pretty much just um, my ex-girlfriend now was quarantined with me. Um, My my family was with me. Reese Lamp is my best friend. Brennan came home. So everyone who I really needed was really close by and we were doing lake swims. So we saw them out by the lake. So Zoom meetings, a lot of FaceTime. So I was really lucky to where, yeah, I felt left like, even though the big, a lot of my outsider group was gone, mm-hmm. our, my core group definitely stayed where it stayed. That's, that seems, definitely seems like a positive. Yeah. Um, so I know you made an Instagram post about your future moving forward. Um, can you just talk me a little bit through what kind of went into that decision, how you're feeling about moving forward with your education swimming career thus far? Yeah, so um, when I committed to USC, it was under Dave Salo and Catherine Case. And Catherine and I had a really good dynamic. She was my coach at the 2019 World Championship when I swam my 25K. She was my feeder. She was out as much as I was, you know, in the water for five and a half hours. She sat on that dock through the typhoon for five and a half hours. So, you know, it's kind of a bonding, bonding experience. (laughs) Sure. We, we were, I was really excited to swim under her and um, the retirement was announced under Dave Salo Mm -hmm. and then Catherine announced that she would step down and um, a whole new staff kind of came in. And um, with a lot of talk, I just thought, you know, it would only be fair to where I don't really know this staff and I would, it'd be safer and smarter to kind of start and get to know them off a clean slate and reimagine them as a new school. And 
And it just wasn't fair for me that while I was getting to know them, I was holding on to someone else's potential scholarship money. It kind of felt rude and selfish. So we decided to let that go. So now I'm, I don't know if we're going to start talking again, but I'm definitely talking to other schools now as well. So the possibility of you still going to USC is, is very real. You're just kind of wiping the slate clean, starting the recruiting process entirely over again. Pretty much. And, um, but, you know, like I said in my letter, I have grown a lot since I was committed to USC. So like I value a lot of different things now. So, you know, yeah, USC is definitely still a possibility. It's just definitely, I'm looking, I value a lot more different things than I valued at 16. Can, can you put how your values have evolved um, into words? You know, yeah. What, 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 sorry, what is the difference in your values from 16 to now? Well, when I was 16, um, I didn't think I was going to be on the U.S. national team. When I committed, I was not on the national team. And for me, I was just thinking about terms of where was the best place to get my education for film school. And clearly it was USC. I mean, the school of Steven Spielberg, James Cameron, like you'd be stupid not to go there. But, you know, now as much as my film career is important, I am fully aware that my swim career could make me money someday. And I am just as much aware that if I have a major in film, the chances of me making money right out of college is significantly rare. So I need to, you know, value my financial future. And with that, swimming becomes a lot more important. I want to go to a program where, you know, they're a lot more willing to give me the yardage that I need and the training that I need to swim well. Sure. So that, you know, you mentioned uh, swimming with Catherine Case, your 25K. Take me, can you take me through that experience of, of first of all, um, you make the world championship team. How do you taper for a 25K? Uh, I don't think you do. Like I was doing <laughs> 7,000, 8,000 meter practices at training camp. And I don't think I ever okay. really went down in yardage. Uh-huh. Um, I was not doing 25 K practices. I just want to make that clear. We did mm. not do anything like that, but I think it was just like, don't really accept that you're doing a 25 K until the buzzer kind of goes off. <laughs> okay. And like, yeah, like the buzzer just kind of went off. And when I dove in for that race, I was like, next six hours, here we go. <laughs> that's, all, that's all you really can think. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's, you know, that's like running a marathon for most people. That's, that is, uh, that's really intense. What, what was swimming a race like that like? Um, it was actually not that bad for the most part. It only got bad when the typhoon came in around the last hour and a half. <laughs> last hour, hour and a half. That's when it got really bad. And um, a lot of the experienced field, they knew how to swim in the waves and they took it like a champ. And <laughs> I did not. I definitely learned how to now. But in the moment, I did not. And they, they used that to their advantage and they dropped me. Yeah. And I, I think I could testify for any open water swimmer. The worst thing you can do in open water is end up by yourself. <laughs> and let alone in a typhoon. So I was, to be able to see the buoy, I would swim breaststroke as I took off my goggles, find the buoy, oh my put my goggles back on and swim like 50 strokes. <laughs> I mean that, yeah, that, that sounds insane to me. That's, it that's wild. It was uh, a nightmare. And I mean, 
so that a typhoon rolls in at hour four and a half, they don't pull you out. No. So the rule is if it's, um, I think it was like, if they call it after the three hour mark, it was, if they cancel it, you're not doing it again. But if they cancel it before the three hour mark, you got to make up the yardage and it starts over. Okay. That was the rule. So I think since it came in after the three hour mark, they're like, yeah, they could just finish. Like, it's not that dangerous. So I, I just don't think they're that worried, but like still. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, how, how did you end up getting selected to swim the 25K? Um, so it was the Olympic selection at the 10K at Open Water Nats in Miami. And basically the top two got to go on and make the 10K for, and try to contend for the Olympic team. And third and fourth were kind of like the consolation spots where it was like, you didn't make the Olympic team, but you can go to Worlds and swim a 25K. Yip-de-doo. So it was one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> Yip-de-doo indeed. <laughs> Sorry you missed the Olympic team, but we have a 25K for you. Do you think, would you swim that again, given the opportunity? I don't know. I guess it depends. I, you, it's going to take a lot of good convincing from the open water uh, director, Bryce Elser. He would really <laughs> have to try to convince me because I think I honestly, I think I blacked out part of the race because I like don't remember parts of it. I think it's just like, yeah, I made it. I forgot because Sometimes I think to myself, well, it wasn't that bad. And then I remember and I'm like, oh, it, it was that bad. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I would think that's something you just have, have to bottle down <laughs> and never yes. think about again. Intense repression. <laughs> um, do, so do you like, do you prefer pool swimming or open water swimming? I prefer pool. I definitely prefer pool. I like the feeling of racing and knowing that everyone else around you is in just amount of pain it's just like balls to the wall whoever can make it first wins whereas open water is very strictly strategical and it's what's in my feeds what am i going to feed who am i going to draft off of when am i going to make my move mm -hmm. it's a lot of brain power for open water but my what i do like about open water is that really tight-knit community that we have like the people i have in open water are some of my bestest friends i have in the sport yeah how what was your first first open water race like it was a 10k um i was 14 and that wasn't that was the era where our our open water strategy was like get to the front pack and hold on for as long as you can <laughs> so i held on for maybe like a one loop out of six i got dropped oh, wow. and i think i cried like five times <laughs> during the race yes <laughs> one cry per lap <laughs> i i remember thinking to myself like i it was in lake miramar and i was like if an alligator like bit me right now i'd be okay with it like that's fine as long as i can get out <laughs> the you sweat you did an open water your first open water swim at age 14 was somewhere with alligators it's great it's honestly it really sets the bar high <laughs> Wow, that's that's kind of intense, but that's that's very. I'm like, look at you now. You literally you learn so much in like the span of five years. Who would have thought I'd be swimming the 25k in Korea? Not me. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Um, so so let's let's end on a, on a cool on a, on a good note. Uh, tell me about your favorite TV shows that you've watched uh, okay, during so quarantine. 
I'm really hammering out TV shows right now. And I've been watching Killing Eve. Hmm. And I am obsessed. I am obsessed with Killing Eve. Jodie Comer, this is so rare. But if you ever end up watching this, please marry me. Please. <laughs> oh, my God. This is actually a funny story. Haley Anderson was training with us for a few for a few days when she came down to Vegas and um, we're on our way to lakes. We're on the way to Lake Mead and we're all driving in this team van and I'm sitting in the van. And I go, guys, I think I could be a psychopath. I think I'm on the psychopath scale. <laughs> Haley looks at me. Haley's like, Erica, you're not on the psychopath st- Like, shut up. I was like, ooh. <laughs> I was like, dude, like, Villanelle just has such an attractiveness to her. I'm like, yep, she could murder me and I would be okay with it. And I and I think the most astounding part of that show is that everyone is in that boat. Everyone's like, "Yeah, just you. It's okay. I <laughs> I forgive you. Just just stab me, and it's cool because you're just so cool." She's so cool, and she's the accent, and she's just she knows what she wants, and oh my god, she's Jodie Comer is my like biggest obsession right now. She I have a fat crush on her. I, I I totally get it. I watched an interview with her and she, you know, she used her normal British accent, which I didn't realize she was British. And it was, it was like a little bit of a disappointment because it was like, I kind of like the Russian one. <laughs> the Russian one is also very, very attractive. But when she was like, when she spoke in her British accent, I was like, oh, she's so cute. Oh my God. Like cute and hot at the same time. Mine just exploded. Um, and I'm also watching How I Met Your Mother, which is a classic. Nice. How I Met Your Mother. Have, uh, have you seen it before? No, I have not. Okay. So, and like my generation, at least, there's a lot of hype around like The Office and Friends. Mm-hmm. And I was never able to really hop onto that bandwagon. I like never really, really liked it. But mm-hmm. How I Met Your Mother is so much better in my opinion. <laughs> That's, it's funny. I, um the i i never watched friends or the office either like all the way through i've seen them and i never got on the bandwagon and i remember one night i was at a friend's house and uh we started how i met your mother just like oh let's let's you know i've heard of this show let's watch it and we we binge us the first full season we stayed up all night <clears throat> and watched the whole first season and then after that i was like yeah okay i'm in <laughs> it's a great one i am robin is so cool I love Robin. Robin's my favorite. And Robin, Robin's got a good balance of like, of, uh, of, of kind and spunky. Yes. And then Barney. Barney's just a classic. <laughs> right. Man, yeah, makes me laugh. Especially like given the fact that he, he is gay in real life, but his character is just <laughs> this, this insane womanizer. <laughs> yes. Just... I also like, I love, I really commend him for the motto suit up as I am a sucker for like suits and stuff like that. I love how he's just in a suit everywhere. That absolutely. That's there's some pretty iconic the <laughs> how many ways he finds to say legendary is yes. was was a favorite of mine. Yes, yes, yes. I've also I've really started to like how Robin and Ted had the joke where whenever someone is like in general I think and they'll be like general I think <laughs> Yes, <laughs> dude, I I want to rewatch How I Met Your Mother now. I'm I'm remembering all these things about it. <clears throat> Great.
Um, well, Erica, thank you so much for your time, your honesty. Uh, I really appreciate you, uh, you talking with me. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swim Podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.